5, verse 8. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, that after, everybody say after, not before, after you have suffered a while, make you perfect or mature, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And tonight's lesson, we're going to speak on this subject, Know Your Adversary. Know Your Adversary. You may be seated. Now, I don't believe in giving the devil so much credit that, because uh, he'll take any credit you can give him. Uh, there's something about our adversary, the devil, known as Satan or Lucifer. He's, uh, he loves attention. And when we speak of the devil, we're most likely speaking of the devil's influence that actually Lucifer himself probably hasn't come here, but he sent somebody that's under him that has. And so it's an influence of demonic activity, which is inspired by him. Those demonic spirits are fallen angels, as all of you should know. If you don't, you now know. They are fallen angels. And we're going to just look into the word of the Lord a little bit about some of his activities and what he's up to. Well, Adam, we're going to just we're going to put you in and work in a little bit. You got your microphone there. Matthew chapter 4 verses 1 through 11. We're going to do a bit of reading. Got it. It's in the New Testament, Brother Adam. <laughs> i got to give him a hard time because he's always going to give me one. Matthew 4, go ahead, Brother, 1 through 11. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Let's pause right here. Now, <clears throat> the first thing we have to understand about our adversary is he is a tempter. Yes. He's going to tempt to entice, to lure, yes. 
How many fishermen, fisher ladies do we have among us? Now, when you go fishing, there's a certain thing that you put on the end of the hook. They commonly call that a lure. And a lot of fishermen, they, they pride themselves on certain kinds of lures. And uh, it's almost like fingerprints, you know. They got their own little way of doing things. It's got its own little wiggly little thing or whatever that makes it make its its little uh, movements around. And that's supposed to be, you know, the, the thing that draws the fish. Right. And the lure, it's it's a tempter. It's tempting the fish with something that they think it's something else. And uh, the devil is a lot like that. Right. He loves to bring substitutions. Yes, he does. He'll bring lust for love. Uh, he'll, he'll, he'll bring a false doctrine for truth that uh, is almost the same. Right. You know, when I was, you can sit down, Brother Adam, I may, I may yak a little bit. Praise God. But when I was a manager in training for a, a dollar store back in my youth, you know, this would have been in my 20s, um, they had <clears throat> this uh, training that they gave us when it came to counterfeiting. And to be able to tell what a counterfeit dollar bill was, they didn't bring in all the counterfeits. They brought the genuine, original, 100-proof dollar bill. And I'll never forget my boss. He told me, and uh, I've known him for many years. His name is O'Neill Hardy. He's known our family since I discovered America. And, uh, but he said, now look, Richard, he said, if you'll, if you'll take this dollar bill right here, I'm just going to show you something you don't know. He said, you can take this dollar bill right here. And he said, the ink never dries on real money. And he said, you can take this white piece of paper. And he pulled. He said, give me, give me a dollar bill out of your pocket. I gave him a dollar bill, and he rubbed it on there, and a little bit of green come off. He said, that's how you know it's real. And we've seen thousands and thousands of dollars come through. It was many, many stores in Memphis. And uh, I remember one time they brought one in. They would take the they would take a one dollar bill and fold it in half, and then they would cut four corners off of a twenty and paste them on the end, and hand it to them and cover the cover the old Georgia with their thumb, and hand it to them. And in, in the spur of busy traffic and what have you, the the cashier would just grab that and stick it down in there, and they glanced and saw the twenties all they saw. And, of course, they would give change because they'd buy something of low value and give them change, and they'd lose all that money. But it was a lure. It was a lure, something that was fake. It was almost real. I remember one time I was running a, 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 a pawn shop. I ran a pawn shop for over five years. I've seen more loaded guns than, than uh, the policemen do. Is that gun loaded? Nah, it ain't loaded. Sure enough, it's loaded. I always treat them all the same. All of them was loaded the way I seen it. Amen. 
But when it brings stuff in, you know, uh, there was one guy that bought some stuff, and I had a man with me that was helping me. My boss was out for the day, and I just, those, those bills just didn't feel right. They felt too thick. So I called the man over. I said, look at these, these bills. And what do you think? He took one look, just one feels all it needed for him. He said, call the police. And come to find out it was a UPS man that gave us the change. And so they had to trace him down and, and uh, bring him back over to the store. And, of course, he didn't know where he got it from. He just made change is all he did. But it's, it was almost alike. I mean, it looked the same. It just didn't, it, something about it didn't feel right. And you know when the devil comes attempting, he'll bring something that's similar. It's almost the same. But if you got any Holy Ghost about you, it don't feel right. Let's continue on. Then the devil taketh him into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. Uh-huh. And said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Notice here, this is the second temptation. And he phrases his temptations with one two-letter word. If. He's appealing to Jesus' fleshly ego. If you're really real. Of course, you know, Jesus didn't have to worry about that. But nonetheless, that's the way that the enemy comes sometimes. If God's really loving you, then how come all this is happening? Temptation. Why don't you just go ahead and do, you've already, you've already given it a little bit, you may as well just go all the way. Go ahead. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Mm-hmm. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. There are two things that you can be guaranteed of about the devil when uh, you're serving God. Number one, he will come and tempt you. And he'll also leave you alone if you continue to resist. But remember this one thing. He'll be back. Tempting. He tries to tempt, and he has lots of ways. We see here where that Jesus quoted the first two times with Scripture. Then Jesus uh, found that his adversary, the devil, would tried quoting Scripture himself. You know, the devil's pretty good at knowing what the Word of God says. How else can you deceive unless you know the real thing first? And so he, he said, it is written... He shall give angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Have you ever noticed the verse that the devil used? He was actually talking about his former self. 
He's nothing but an angel. He was quoting scripture about his former self. He himself at one time was an angel. He's still an angel, but it's different of the matter. He's a fallen angel. He still has powers, and eventually God will reel them in at the right time. But until that time, he's going to let him run loose for a while. That's why we don't have the authority to completely defeat the devil in one fell swoop. Wouldn't that be nice? And I wish it could happen. I wish we could just one mighty prayer warrior pray in one night, completely knock him out. You might knock him back, but you don't have the authority to knock him out. There'll come a time that an unnamed angel will cast him into the lake of fire. But until that time comes, you don't have that authority. We wrestle against flesh, not against flesh and blood but against principalities and rulers and darkness of this world, against wickedness in high places, we wrestle, which means we hold them at bay. We keep them off of us. And for the time being, that's the way that it will continue until the end of time when God will judge not only the sinner, he'll also judge Satan himself. So he is a tempter, 1 Corinthians 21, 2 rather, not 21, scratch that, ain't no 21 chapters. 1 Corinthians, <laughs> mm. oh hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1. Mm-hmm. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Good. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Mm-hmm. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing birds of man's <coughs> wisdom. I'll have a better shot at it if we'll go to first. Chronicles 21. I knew that didn't feel right, folks. Sorry. It's the old age catching up. Too bad Sister Twyla's not here. I'd pick on her. First Chronicles 21. That's where the 20... uh, There's the 21. Verses 1 through 7. And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. There it is. And David said unto Joab and to the rulers of the people, Go, number Israel from Beersheba even to Dan, and bring the number of them to me, that I may know it. Let's pause right here. Now, David had his shortcomings. We, We can find those very quickly. But, because David was one that was quick to repent. He was known as a man after God's own heart. You know, the word of God lets us know that a righteous man falls down how many times? Seven times. What does that mean? It means he keeps getting back up. And that was David. He, he, he made some real big boo-boos, but he, he seemed to my, be able to get back up and get things straight with God. But here we find another low point of David's uh, career, if you will. 
it says Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. Now, we don't have any inside information as to what actually happened and, and all of the fine details. But nonetheless, we find a leader of a nation that did something that God had already told him not to do. <clears throat> you think folks would learn. But unfortunately, David did not seem to learn. Now, you know, if you ever do, how many do character studies? You ought to do a character study on, on Joab. Very interesting. He was a, a very complicated man. And he was, a, I believe, a cousin of um, David's. And um, Joab, a lot of times, would miss the mark and do some stupid things himself. But here we find that Joab is dead on target. Verse 3. And Joab answered, The Lord maketh people an hundred times so many more as they be. But my Lord the king, are they not all my Lord's servants? Why then doth my Lord require this, this thing? Why will he be a cause to trespass to Israel? Uh, I don't know how you can be plainer than that. He's saying, you know, you know, God's blessed Israel. Why do you want to stir up the Lord's anger against us? That's pretty much what he was saying. Next verse. Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab. Now, I know we don't have anybody here that's hard-headed like that. Now, don't do that. You know you shouldn't do that. And sure enough, that's what they do. Here we find David saying, you know, and Joab's telling him, look, look, David, we're kin and all, so I can be a little more plain spoken. Uh, you, and I'm paraphrasing, you sure you want to do this? Uh, you want to make God mad at you? I don't know what the temptation was that the devil pulled off on David, but it must have been a whopper. Because in spite of all this plain language, next verse, nevertheless, nevertheless the king's word prevailed against Joab. Mm -hmm. Wherefore Joab departed and went throughout all Israel and came to Jerusalem. Go ahead. And Joab gave the sum of the number of the people unto David and all the they of Israel were a thousand thousand and a hundred thousand men that drew sword. And Judah was four hundred, threescore, and ten thousand men that drew sword. But Levi and Benjamin counted he not among them, for the king's word was abominable to Joab. Mm. So Joab was the better man here. Last verse, verse 7. And God was displeased with this thing, therefore he smote Israel. Surprise, surprise, surprise. What a shocker. I didn't see that coming. All because of temptation. Now, I think that it probably had something to do with ego. Because, you see, when you do this counting, then you start to see just how much strength you have within your army. And I had something to do with that. And that's why the Lord had told him already, don't do that. 
for that very reason. Pride gets you in all kind of trouble. In fact, pride's what gave us the devil. He went from being an angel to being an ex-angel because of pride. All right? 2 Thessalonians 2, 8 through 12. Speed this up a little, brother. Justin, would you be kind enough to read for me Revelation 12, 7 through 9? Just hold that for me. 2 Thessalonians 2, 8 through 12. Go ahead when you're ready. And then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness, of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth that they may that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusions that they should believe a lie. Verse twelve. That they all might be damned who believeth not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. All of this came because of lying wonders and power and signs. All of this was prophesied pertaining to the man of sin. It's what he's talking about. And that wicked will be revealed in verse 8. But he says that the, that the man of sin will be uh, working after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. So the second thing that I would say about our adversary is that he is a deceiver. A deceiver. And all of these things are prophesied even here about the last days. Don't, don't say that the last days aren't here. They're here. Now, we don't know how long those last days will continue. But we are in the last days. How do we know this? Because Scripture is being fulfilled. And we see things on an unprecedented rate that... It's, you, you can't help but see it. It's, it's any time that the Lord is going, to, is going to come back for his church. We may see some tribulation before that. I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I, I'll be like the rest of the cowards, I guess. I prefer a pre-tribulation. I prefer the rapture to take place before the tribulation. Uh, it may happen that way. It might not happen that way. Somebody say there's the pre, and then there's the mid, and then there's the post. All of these different thinkings. I've heard it said, well, you know, that the Lord's not going to beat his wife and all this kind of stuff. I've, I've heard all of the stories. But the bottom line is, is that it is shroud, those, those prophecies are shrouded in mystery for a purpose that we will not know until it's actually occurring. And then we will know that's what it meant. So it just pays to be ready. It sure don't hurt. Amen? So we are facing a deceiver. The scripture talks about doctrines of devils. That's deception. And we see it on every hand. Uh, there's all manner of doctrines that are out there. Uh, in fact, there's uh, one that's being promoted that uh, is among those that have left us and decided that they found a more perfect way. 
that uh, they can still baptize in Jesus' name, that you can still receive the Holy Ghost with evidence with speaking in other tongues, but you don't have to be holy. That's all on the inside. Inside holiness always reflects on the outside. It's inside and outside. Amen. To me, it's common sense. If you got it on the inside, it's going to show up on the outside. Amen. So there's all manner of deception that's going on in these last days. Revelation 12, 7 through 9. Let's hear what it has to say. So in this particular verse, there's some good news, bad news. Good news is no more devil in heaven. Bad news is <clears throat> he's here. And because he's here, we had to deal with him. Now, when we're called over yonder, whether that be through death or through the rapture, we won't have to worry about that anymore. That'll be, the, that'll be the done deal. But right now, we have to put up with the deceiver. And the only way to deal with the deceiver is to continually stay in the book. Right. It's to continually look at the original and be sure that you are there. Now, there's a scripture that the Lord just brought to me. Uh, Brother Justin, would you be kind enough to pull this up for me? Uh, Galatians, I believe it's chapter 1. And just start at the very first few verses and just go until I stop you. It's all his greeting. Go ahead. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from the present evil world mm -hmm. according to the will of God and our Father. Go ahead. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I, I marvel that ye are so soon removed. From there it is. I'm surprised that you're so soon removed from what? Another gospel. But he clarifies that. Which is not another. Ain't one. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Mm -hmm. But though we are an angel from heaven. Oh, here we go. Other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Though we are what? Well, there's a few angels that came from heaven that are down here, and they're working overtime with deception. And that's why it's so important that we remain anchored, thank you, anchored to this word of God. That is the cure for deception. But let me warn you, I've seen this happen before. I've seen people that do nothing but read the book and never pray. 
The Spirit gives life. The Spirit is what leads you and guides you into. So it takes them both. If you just, hey, I'm telling you, if you just read, 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 read all the time, there can come a deceiving spirit upon you. Talking about knowing your adversary. A deceiving spirit can come upon you and convince you of some different doctrine. It's happened to many people. What was the problem? The problem was that they didn't pray. They didn't have a prayer life. Now, by the same token, you can have a prayer life and never get in the word. So it's kind of like a prayer life without a foundation. It's kind of like building a house without putting a foundation. It's not going to happen. He is a deceiver. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. James 3, 16, bro. Let's get you right real quick. Ready? For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all churches of the saints. So this would be the next thing that we would want to talk about our adversary. He brings confusion. Somebody say, I'm so confused, I don't know what to do. Sound to me like that the devil's already been working. God is not the author. That's what it says. God's not the author of confusion. Now, I've heard ministers say it before, but he's the master of every situation. Now, that's not scripture. That's just minister speaking. But it is true. He's not the author of confusion, but he's the master of every situation. He's the master of the raging wind. He can take care of it. He can take control of confusion. What the devil meant for evil, God often turns it out for good. However, we don't involve God in it, then that deception can go to its nth degree and it can cause a person to fall into error. Confusion. Confusion always, always brings error. Not 99.9% of the time, confusion always brings error. When you see confusion, you know that the Lord's not working. That the Lord's not in that. His handprint is not on that. And someone is either yielding to spirits or they're just not prayed up, which is about the same thing. Hello. He brings confusion. James 3.16, sir. So where there's envying and strife, there's confusion in every evil work. Devil's got his handprint all over it. So where you see strife, where you see confusion, you can rest assured the enemy's at work. God's not in the middle of that. Amen. I, I, I've stepped into churches before, and I'm telling you what, it's just a big rumble going on. And you know what? An old preacher man told my dad back when I was 15, 16 years old, he said, Brother Modes. Old brother G.H. Hill, he had one good eye. He'd look at you that one good eye. He had a glass eye on the other side. He'd look at you that one good eye and he'd say, it doesn't take much to cause church trouble. Uh 
confusion and strife. You see, the devil loves to stir the pot. If he can stir the pot, get confusion going on, then he can divide and conquer. This is an old army command, divide and conquer. If we can get one side against the other and they start taking sides and getting into cliques and all this kind of stuff, before you know it, you have divided a congregation against itself. A house that's divided against itself ain't going to stand. And the devil knows this. It's why he brings confusion. Matthew 25, 41. Let's see, Brother uh, Preston, I need Acts 10, 34 to 38. Brother Justin, I'll need Mark 5, 1 to 15. We'll be talking a little bit there. Go ahead. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So the lake of fire... was not prepared for human beings. Scripture bears it out quite clearly. It was prepared for our adversary. That's where he calls home. Now, right now, he's living around here, but that's home to him. It's prepared for him. It's a place of torment for him. And so this is hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. You know, if you go to hell... You'll go as an intruder because it was never intended for you to be there. Amen. Acts chapter 10, verse 34 to 38. Go ahead. Pay strict attention to that last verse. You still got it up there? The 38th verse, not the last verse, sorry. Acts 10, 38. It says here that Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Oppression. How many know what oppression is? It's kind of like a glass of water. Oppression is when you start to see outside things begin to form around the outside of it. Pressure. Possession is water in the cup. But oppression is pressure outside the cup. When people are oppressed, and I want to tell you, most people that are in this world are, are in this condition right here. Because we're in the end times, and so therefore the pressure is that much higher and greater. The oppression causes there to be sicknesses. 
So there are some sicknesses that the devil can bring to a human being through oppression. Healing. Some of it is mental. Some of it is emotional. But I promise you, oppression, which involves depression, can cause people to be very, very sick. In fact, it can kill them. And so we see here where... Uh, Peter's talking about, he says, Jesus went about doing good, healing all those that were oppressed. It's like a sickness because he worded it that way. It was healing those that were oppressed. Yes, the devil oppresses people. The word oppression or oppress, I found a little surprise there when I looked at the original Greek for that word. It, according to Strong's Concordance, says to exercise dominion against. To exercise dominion against. Last time I checked, that's like manipulation. And so the devil plays tricks on people's minds. Oh, come on, somebody. Oppression is a form of of deception. Depression is a form of deception. When the enemy comes against you and tries to depress you and then oppress you, it is a form of deception telling you things will never change. Depression says nothing will ever change. But yet God has promised transformation. We can be transformed by the power of the Spirit of God. Things can change in our world in an instant of time when we utilize the power of the Holy Ghost and your adversary knows it. So he tries to oppress. Now oppression is not limited to just the sinner. Yes, it attacks the children of the Most High God. And if you are oppressed of the devil, it means that you need a healing. I'm trying to hurry. I don't want to get into Brother Justin's beauty sleep time. Mark 5. Now, this is lengthy reading, so just bear with me. And they came over to the other side of the city, into the country of the Gadarenes. Mm-hmm. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He was possessed. Who had his dwellings among the tombs, and no man could find him, no, not with chains. Pause right here. One of the Gospels says that there were two men. But apparently only one got delivered. And so we find where that this particular passage of Scripture focuses on the one that got delivered. Go ahead. Because he had been often bound with fetters and chains. They tried again and again. And the chains had been plucked by him. Uh, he had no problem breaking them. And the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. So they were afraid of this man. 
They were very afraid of this man and what he could do. Apparently, he had exercised a lot of power with, with the rage that was in his, his system. Go ahead. Here we see, we're going to hear the rest of the story. This is what happens when he's alone. Whoa, back up. What was that word again? Right there. Even though he was possessed, they was terrified of him and tried to bind him with chains. The real story is that this man was tormented. He was crying. We overlooked that little word. He was crying. Go ahead. And cutting himself a stone. That sounds like some young teenagers I've seen before. You ever seen them do it? Yes. That's a work of the devil. That's, that's self-hatred is what that is. Right. And it comes straight from hell. And while I'm on the subject, I may as well say it. You go to putting tattoos on your body like it's really stylish right now. Used to, it was only the, 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 only the sailors that got them things. Woman come along with a, with a tattoo, people would literally fall on the floor and laugh at them. Not anymore, buddy. All the young mothers are doing it. All the, well, I shouldn't say all, but a lot of them. And when you go to do that, you are involving yourself in paganism by marking yourself. And you're opening yourself up to all manner of demonic activity. Right. Go ahead. But when Jesus, but when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Mm-hmm. And cried with a loud voice and said, what, I, what have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou now, this is the actually the devil's talking. Go ahead. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. Now, let me say this. Now, I want to be very clear on this. This is going over the internet, but it's also you're hearing what I have to say. I want you to be clear that you understand what I'm telling you. Now, not every time, but a lot of times, those that are diagnosed as schizophrenia. Really, not always. Please let make it very clear, not always, but a lot of times it's demonic activity. Because dual personalities lends to that. When you see somebody, if you've never run across someone that's been delivered of demonic spirits, you wouldn't understand. But those that's been bound by demonic spirits, they have a dual nature about them. There's that human nature that you see 99% of the time. But then there's that demonic activity that's inside that that holds fast to that person's soul and directs them and controls the most important decisions of their life. That is possession. I've talked about it many times in the pulpit, how that when I laid hands on Butch, that I could tell when he was talking to me and I could tell when that demon spirit was talking to me. His eyes would change to the pupils of a cat. He would growl at me like a lion. He would mock me. Those spirits would mock me as I would rebuke them and cast them out. Cast out seven devils or six devils out of that man. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And he asked him, what is thy name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. For we're many. And he besought him much that he would not send 
want you to read that last full sentence again. Probably the whole verse. Now, here, I want you to get the picture here. These are the same guys that probably tried to bind him in the first place, and he broke all the chains. Remember that story? Right. So here they are. They come, and they find this guy talking like a normal human being. Right. And? And had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. And? And they were afraid. They had great faith. They said, Lord Jesus, we need to know more about this power. That says a lot about those folks. They were big on fear and small on faith. That's probably how that guy got all those devils in the first place. So we understand that he oppresses people and he also possesses people. What does it take for an individual to be possessed? And I'm probably going to have to break this into two lessons, but anyway. What does it take for a person to be possessed? Usually a tragedy or something extremely difficult in that individual's life. And they open their soul up and receive that spirit completely 100% into their system. Now, the devil don't force his way in. He can't. He don't have that ability. The human will is still supreme. The Lord wired it that way on purpose. However, you can yield to it. That's why we talk about holiness, being careful where you go and what you do. Because once you let down your hair, so to speak, now I ain't got nothing to let down. But when you relax and you're in a relaxed environment, the things that you allow in your relaxed environment is extremely important. And I have seen individuals that have been molested, sexually molested by their fathers, again and again and again. And the, and the tragedy of that and the, all of the pain of that drove them to actually accept the same spirit that caused their parent to attack them, move on them, and they received that into their system. And we could talk for a long time about these things. But be careful what you allow into your life. Because if it has the devil's fingerprints on it, you could be getting more than you bargained for. I know what I'm talking about. I've seen it. You got scripture for me. This is another example of demonic possession. Somebody said, well, you know, demonic depression, that's possession. That's not even biblical. Let's check that out. It's a 42nd verse. And behold, a man of the company cried out, saying, Master. Luke 9, 38, Brother Jace. Master, I beseech thee, look upon my son, for he is mine only child. And lo, a spirit taketh him, and he suddenly crieth out, and it teareth him, and he foameth again. It causes him to wretch and to tear it himself. And then he goes to foaming. 
Go ahead. And bruising him heartily departeth from him. He beats on himself. That's those spirits beating on him. Go ahead. And I besought thy disciples to cast him out, and they could not. Now see the story behind this, boy, we don't know. But again, I take you back to what I said earlier. Something tragic or something very, very violent happened in his system to the point that he received those spirits into his body and allowed them to torment him. Go ahead. And Jesus answering said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer you? Bring thy son hither. And he, as he was yet a-coming, the devil threw him down and tear him. See, a lot of times these demon spirits, when an individual is possessed and a child of God that is in authority begins to pray with them, they'll oftentimes, they'll begin to demonstrate their power to you. I've seen them cough up garbage all over the floor. I've seen them try to pull their, women try to pull their clothes off. That was obviously a spirit of lust. I've seen them scream and then go limp. But it manifests itself in some form. And so this is what happened to this boy. It manifested itself. Go ahead. And Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child and delivered him again to his father. See, the devil loves attention. Even though Jesus is standing there fixing to take care of business, the devil says, you know what, I'm going to show out a little bit. He loves to have attention. Oftentimes when someone comes possessed of a spirit, we're going to lay hands on them and we're going to let the Lord do the work. But if they go to showing out and carrying on, we'll take them off in the back room somewhere and let them pray until they get deliverance. Why? Because I don't believe you should take over the service. I don't. Say, well, we haven't seen that here. I want to tell you something, and I say this with all sincerity at heart. I wish everybody was here tonight. But the closer that you get to true revival, the more demonic activity will start popping up. Say, so what do you mean, Brother Motes? Well, let me give a little more clearer points to you. You're fighting against demonics' powers right now when you struggle. When you feel a struggle, there's a demonic activity going on there. Say, would you see a devil behind every bush? No. But I'm going to tell you what, they're going to fight a child of God. You ain't, you ain't living right, you won't feel any pressure. But when you're full of the Holy Ghost, you're going to fight devils. And the closer you get to true revival and the more you fast and pray, you're going to break the back of that spirit to the point it's going to come to the top like cream comes to the top. And they'll start manifesting themselves in the middle of service. I've seen it happen. In the midst of revival, they start manifesting themselves. And I'm warning you as a church body, be prepared for it. Know your adversary. Do not be afraid. That's where he operates is in the realm of fear. I'm not afraid of no devil, not afraid to cast one out either. But if you've never seen one like that happen before, it may put you in a state of fear for a moment or a fear state of shock. But I'm telling you in the name of the Lord, the best thing to do is to throw your hands in the air and begin to worship God. God will take care of it, don't you worry. He'll take care of it.
Okay, did we finish? Okay. All right, that's the boy with the dumb spirit. Um, Luke 4.33. How about that, Brother Preston? Can you grab that real quick? Brother Justin, I need Luke 22.3. I'm trying to hurry. Uh, Brother Adam, John 13.27, and that'll be pretty close to being done. Look, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Most devils are unclean, by the way. All of them are unclean. I find that interesting, the wording there, an unclean devil. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. He told him to shut his mouth. Why did he tell the devil to shut his mouth? He was telling the truth. Because the devil was trying to steal his glory. Devil loves to borrow glory. He don't have any glory on his own. Only power he has is what you give him through fear and intimidation and deception. That's how he gets his power. Because he's a created being just like you are. He's a created being. Mm, glory, hallelujah. That's all I need, thank you. Uh, let's see, Luke 22, 3 and 4. Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Issacharit, being of the number of the twelve. And he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray them unto So he betrayed the Lord under the influence of demonic, demonic activity. He was possessed of a spirit. That's why he went and committed suicide. Those spirits drove him mad. Very quickly, John 13, 27. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. So, this is when it actually happened. At the Last Supper. Now, if you knew you was going to die, within 24 hours, you knew you were going to die in 24 hours. Brother Justin, what would you do if you knew you was going to die in 24 hours? They got 24 hours to live. What are you going to do with it? Sounds good. Sounds like about what I'd say. Guess what Jesus did? He washed. Judas's feet. Gave him food, fed him. To be like Jesus. Well, we can sing them, but we can't always live them. Mm. Yeah. Jesus knew he was being possessed. He saw that, no doubt he saw the devil go in his body. It was at the point of the sop being given to him. Uh, now, how else would he know that? Mm -hmm. 
I have three more passages of scripture, and then we're gonna we're gonna call it a diet. I need Matthew ten one, and then seven and eight. Well, Justin, I need James four seven, and then we'll also go to five. But we'll we'll get to that in a sec. Go ahead. Matthew ten and one. And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against the unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Verse 7. And as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Next verse. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. There it is. Freely ye have received, freely give. This is an admonition of the Lord that we have the authority over demon, demon spirits. We have the authority. But let me remind you from the last lesson that I taught, if you're not submitted, you don't have authority. It's the power of sonship. Just as Jesus was submitted in his flesh to Almighty God, we follow his example. We are submitted. And when we are submitted, then we have full authority over demonic spirits. Okay? Now let's go to um, James 4, 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. There's the key right there before you get any further. There it is again. This is that submission part. It gives us the power of sonship. Go ahead. Once you submit, then you can resist. What will happen? Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. So when you resist the devil, he will do what? Flee from you. One translation says to run in terror. But not until you submit. A lot of folks try to, to resist, but they never submit. Don't work, because you got it all backwards and upside down. Let's go to the fifth chapter, verse 14 and 15, and we're going to we're going, to, we're going to finish up. Is there any sick among you? Call for the elders of the church. Uh huh. Now we've all heard them verses quoted. If you've been around church any length of time, you heard these verses. But listen to the rest of it. Save the sick. The Lord shall raise him up. Oh, where'd that come from? I thought we was talking about sickness. And now we're off on sins. Go ahead, finish that out for me. Now, sickness can be brought by the, by the enemy through sin. I've seen folks have the sin of bitterness. They cannot forgive, and they cannot let go. They hold grudges. They are the world-class grudge holder. I knew of a man. I don't guess I've ever seen a man so wrapped up in bitterness in all my life. He was a preacher. He'd go to talking about that, that one thing that made him bitter. And he'd be sitting at the table telling me, and his knuckles would go white where he'd grip that table telling that story. 
his face would go ashen white as he had relived the moment that they betrayed him and hurt him. It eventually killed him. He doesn't live today. He had numerous health issues due to stress. Well, it wasn't stress of pastoring because at the time he wasn't even pastoring. It was the stress of that bitterness. If you can't forgive, you're only hurting yourself. You're not going to hurt the person you're mad at. Nah, you're going to hurt yourself. It's like pouring acid down in your system. You're destroying yourself. So there are some sicknesses that do come from the devil. Obviously not all. We're born and you were born and we're susceptible to disease thanks to not this Adam, but the first Adam. We won't blame it with Brother Adam Fuller. Stand with us, God bless you. Thank you for being patient. Know your adversary. You need to know who he is.